Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And we are back after a brief little hiatus here on the Owl Chat Podcast with uh, another edition of our post-game show here to wrap up two games we had presbyterian uh last weekend in clinton south carolina and uh Bracia on tuesday night um i am joined here in studio by former owls big man mr aaron anderson uh mr john finer producer nick is with us and our social media manager mr tim desmond fellas how are we doing today man i'm doing good excited to uh talk some basketball um but i before we get into that i want to talk to aaron why don't you tell everybody about how your men's league uh tournament uh finals ended sir oh yeah i'm sure everyone would love to hear that to start i know the answer by the way yeah so uh we had a heartbreaking loss in the championship we uh we lost by three um even more heartbreaking was i had a turnover with three seconds left um not great we lost uh you know i I took a lot of that on the chin myself for that late uh late turnover but um, the good news is there's always next season, which starts on January 7th. So the first episode after that, I will give you guys an update on the the, the first game of our next season. So, um, yeah, tough loss in the championship, but at least we solved the Kennesaw State fighting owls to root for. Yeah, and not much time to uh, train and up your skills for the next season, Aaron. Yeah, you know, definitely not. You know, it's uh, and it's going to be a tough um, coming up of the holiday season as well you know am i going to work on staying in shape am i going to work on some new skills who knows but uh no, you're gonna this eat holiday season <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's fun though i like i like doing this little uh tucson basketball league shout out to those guys um keeps me in shape as best i can so um it, it's good for me and the kids get to go watch their their uh old out of shape dad play some basketball so it's good for everybody hey at least you didn't uh chris weber it and call a timeout when you had none left and you know blow that way but it's all good um that all being said john i know you made the trip out to clinton um for the presbyterian game i thought about it till the last minute but ended up not um tell us about that experience and uh that that small barn they have out there yeah it was my first uh trip to presbyterian um you know the first uh time i entered the town i saw a sign that said welcome to clinton and then it was like a bunch of like trailer homes uh, so it was that was my first impression. Um, as far as their gym goes, it was definitely a high school gym. Um, not as small as upstates, almost as small as upstates, but it was definitely shittier. Uh, I don't think there are any video boards. You had the old fashioned, you know, generic basketball scoreboards. Um, you know, I, I made an impact on the game, I think, because it was that small. You know, I, I think I I want to say I influenced a point or two just by yelling while they're at the free throw line. Cause I was the only one there making noise. You know how everyone gets quiet in the road gyms cause they don't want their guy to miss it. Or, and uh, you know, I took advantage. Um, the bathrooms there had like sink knobs that barely moved and the plumbing was probably from, you know, the 1980s. So it was definitely a throwback. Um, and it reminded me of my high school gym, uh, especially cause of the, you know, the colors went to Shambly for a little bit. So the whole blue color scheme really fit. Um, other than that, um, you know, Demond Robinson did miss two free throws in a row and they had a miss it for a biscuit program. Um, and, you know, I was actually happy because the game was basically over then. So I got me a 249 uh, sausage biscuit. I stopped at Bojangles on the way back. Um, by the way, the dirty rice there, if you guys have ever had it, that stuff is crack. Really? I'm um, not a big Bojangles guy, but I was going to say I did see you on the broadcast. Didn't hear you, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it, it looked like it wasn't, um, all that great of a place to be. Um, I do always find it funny when the school's gym has a greater capacity than the student population. Um, I think Presbyterian only has like 1100 kids, um, which is, you know, pretty crazy that they're still D one, but you know, they're having a solid season so far and, you know, in the second half gave us a pretty decent run. So, um, yeah, but unless you got anything else to add, I can just go ahead and summarize the game and then we can talk about it, John. No, I, I don't have anything to add. You know, like you said, you know, I, I don't know how they're D1. It's definitely not a D1 gym. And I think they took away their scholarships from the football team and went to the Pioneer League. And now they're non-scholarship in football. So, you know, I don't know how they're doing money-wise. But uh, I'm surprised they had scholarship football to begin with, to be honest with you, after seeing that gym. 
right at least they got a pretty solid color scheme i mean the blue is pretty i'll give them that um but just talking about the game itself uh so kennesaw state got out to a pretty big lead and i think the first 10 minutes of this game were probably the best 10 minutes of basketball we've seen all year from our guys i think uh the lead was up to like 24 to 8 at one point at like the second tv timeout um presbyterian kind of evened it out a little bit throughout the rest of the first half um took us to the break still up 53 to 35 and then the second half um kennesaw state stayed up most of the way by about 20 to 25 points um and then towards the very end of the game um presbyterian started mounting a comeback and i think cut the lead down to eight at one point um and it wasn't ever like nerve-wracking but uh i was kind of looking around you know at the nobody sitting next to me and being like you know are we going to blow this or you know is this going to be closer than it should be um, but we did hold on and the final score would end up being 94 to 84. Uh, I just want to add, it wasn't nerve wracking for you. Uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me because of the amount of shit that I talked. So, um, you know, I didn't want that egg on my face. So, uh, it was a little uncomfortable, but yeah, you're right. If I was watching at home, not nerve wracking, talking shit, kind of. Yeah. And then, uh, just before we get into the Presbyterian game, you know, um, bit by bit, uh, there was also the Brescia game on Tuesday night, and we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the podcast, um, but not too much you know, to note. It was like a rough first four minutes shooting-wise. I think it was like two to two at the first TV timeout, um, and then KSU goes on a 17 to nothing run, goes up 17 to two, um, and then remains in the driver's seat the whole way. Um, it's an NAIA opponent. Sorry, that one always trips me up. Um, so, you know, not too much to read into. Um, at the half, I think it was 50 to 22, and then the final score would be 91 to 59 um and the owls would go uh improve to nine and three and five and oh at home um but we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast um john i want to get your initial thoughts just on the presbyterian game itself and then we'll go over to aaron yeah i mean we came out firing i mean that was pretty much it like we put our uh mark on this game right away um presbyterian really didn't have a chance you know with the with the way we were shooting i mean damon robinson hits his what first four threes jamel king four of eight from three you know on fire in the first half i mean they didn't have a chance so that's pretty much my initial uh my initial thoughts yeah offensively and defensively honestly we we played amazing the first you know the first eight to ten minutes of the first half um and when we really you know put a stamp on the game like john mentioned the the shooting was probably I don't know percentage wise, but it might have been our best three point shooting night of the season at forty two percent. And just watching the first you know ten minutes of that game, we we could do no wrong offensively getting buckets. I think we started off seven of eight from the field, if not better than that. Um, and then defensively, just a ton of effort everywhere you look. I I love to see the effort on, on the defensive end, and then giving getting us a chance to to get some easy looks offensively in transition. It was a it was a fun game to watch. Right. It uh, like you said, it felt like we could do no wrong in those first ten minutes. I mean, Demond Robinson was hitting everything from deep, and it was like, what's going on? You know, we've been telling him not to take these shots all year. You know, uh, and now we look like idiots. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the game probably would have been. Uh, a lot less closer if uh, Mark, I think is Marquise Barnett, uh, the guard for Presbyterian, didn't have the game he did because he was killing us all night in both halves. I think he finished with 27. Yeah, 27. Um, but yeah, overall good showing. Um, we'll take the 10-point win. It's a road win. Um, can never discount that. And I think we now sit at 3-0 and against uh, teams from the Big South um, with just one more coming. Um, so yeah, uh, nothing but positives for me. Yeah, and just to note, um, I think Samaj Teal or Samaj A. Teal for... Um... Uh, Presbyterian was out. I think he's one of the one of their two best players with Barnett, a very good three point shooter, and also Jason Holt and uh, Frank Juan Sherman were out uh, for the Owls. I think they were sick. Uh, they didn't make the trip, so each team was a little bit short uh, short handed. Right. Not exactly sure what the uh, eligibility situation was with Jusan because, you know, they announced it before the Brescia game. But um, it's possible that he was, you know, eligible to go in the Presbyterian game and just couldn't make it. Um, I know Cole LaRue missed the upstate game because he was sick. So, you know, maybe something's going around. Um, but yeah, it is important to note that Teal was out because he was their leading scorer coming in. That might have changed since the fact. Um, but yeah, uh, so moving on, uh, we'll do our big man report and we'll default to Aaron. Um, Aaron, obviously, DeMond had probably his best game of the year. Um, and Ranji played 20 minutes, didn't score, um, but made his presence felt on the defensive end. Um, talk to us about uh, DeMond and Ranji. Yeah, so 
So I did feel bad. I wish we could have got this this recap and this podcast out earlier. I, you know, whenever we we talk about the big men, you know, and and Demond, his shooting, we we always bring up his shooting. Now he came out four for four. I wish we could have talked about this earlier in the week, but like give him his credit. He came out shooting and and he was making these buckets. Like the the commentators, the announcers, they were they were surprised, right? They're like, this guy's twenty one percent. How's he how's he keep making these? What's going on? When's he going to cool off? But Demond was not surprised. Like he was in his zone. He was feeling great. Um, the shots looked good. They looked in rhythm. Um, he talked about could do no wrong. He had an amazing game. And I don't want to give away my player of the game. Uh, but like getting offensive rebounds. I know we only had a, only had a few. But but the shooting, the defense, the the transition, the just uh, touch around the rim in the paint, like everything was going his way. Um, and Ranji, you know, Ranji didn't fill the stat sheet, which is fine. He is a role player. And I don't, I always say this, I, I was a role player myself. He plays his role well. Like he had great energy throughout the game. If him and, if him and DeMond can, and can split the 40 minutes evenly the way they did against Presbyterian, um, you're getting great impact from both of those guys. Um, DeMond's going to do a little more offensively than Ranji will, but, um, you know, I have no complaints watching those guys play. Um, they fit into the system really well, especially when DeMond's knocking down these shots. Like, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of wanted to uh, get into some discussion uh, before we, you know, move on about the uh, last, you know, seven or eight minutes of the game. Um, with seven twenty, uh, with seven minutes to play, we were up by 19, and it was down to eight with 3.20 left. Um, so I want to defer to you, Aaron. Um, is this something that we need to just kind of learn how to play with a lead because, you know, it's counterintuitive to what Petway is preaching. You're up big. You want to drain clock, um, but you also, you know, you slow it down. You're playing right into Presbyterian's hands. So, you know, is, were we kind of in between? Do we run it? Do we play slow? Um, what would you, you know, recommend the Owls do going forward? What's your thought process on that? Yeah, it's a tough situation because for one, basketball, it's, there's always going to be runs, right? And and for us, we we didn't we did a great job of not allowing Presbyterian to go on a run until late in the second half, which is pretty natural. You'll see most games end up that way when there's a 15 to 20 point lead uh, for either team. Now, I, it, we don't have a ton of structure in our offensive game, which is going to limit like it's it's going to allow the defense to jump back in or excuse me, the, the opposition to jump back in towards the end of the game when we're on a big lead like this, because it is tricky. It, and I don't think there's a, a correct answer to this on how we should play or any team should play. Like we were up a big amount and what we've been doing has been working, kind of running, transition, getting quick shots up. However, that is a recipe to let the other team back in the game. In this case, it did um, bring them back in. Luckily enough for us, we were up, you know, high double digits over 20 points for most of the game so it didn't play as much of a role as it could it it does scare me though because you know when conference rolls around um with our inconsistent free throw shooting um and and maybe our our late game you know hesitations um how are we going to close close games out at the end of the season so um it, it's tough to say how we should play i like to slow it down but you can definitely see how it, it, it impacts our ball handlers and the rhythm of our shooters as well. So I, I, I hate to be on the fence on this, but there's really no right answer outside of the feel of the game. And I think that needs to be communicated, you know, uh, to the players ahead of time on, okay, this is the situation, you know, how are we going to do it? Just so nobody's kind of caught in between and they know what's coming and what to expect. Um, so like, Hey, if, you know, guys, if we're up, you know, 20 points or, you know, double digits with, you know, this much time left, we're slowing it down. You know, that's how we, that's how we're going to do it, you know, right. but just set the expectations. Um, you know, what do you take on, what do you think on that guy? I was just going to say to Aaron's point, you know, we got lucky that we're up by high double digits when that came around, but it does scare me too. It's like, you know, we, uh, we give the other team so many possessions and like when we go cold at the wrong times, um, <laughs> it, it could spell disaster. Um, I mean, I think this offensive system, as much as I like it and I like scoring all these points, right? You made a point about, you know, Presbyterian um, blowing us out in the paint. And like, I'm okay with that because that's just, you know, um, you know, 52 to 28 in the paint. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. But you know, I mean, this offense is perfectly designed to blow leads uh, when we're up by 15 and we go cold in the last five to six minutes of the game. Um, so hopefully, I'm not speaking that into existence. But um, yeah, I'm with y'all. Uh, it, it scares me a little bit. And down the stretch, when we get into conference play and we've got some closer games, um, hopefully, you know, we uh, we time our our runs right. Yeah, I mean, last thing I'll add. Sorry, John. Last thing I'll add in this is, I do love the idea of having the ball in Terrell Burden's hands down the stretch. He is a leader. He is experienced. Um, it's it's on him. I know. I know, John. Your point of saying, you know, we have to come in with a plan and understanding what the game plan is if we're up that much. A lot of it is also going to be just you're on the floor. You got the five guys playing. The coach, yeah, Coach Petway is going to be yelling from the sidelines, but you're not always going to be hearing that and and involved in in what the coaches are saying just because we're in the action. So I do like the idea of having a senior guard, um, a lot of leadership on the court, understanding he's been in these situations before, and and he will have a great feel for the game and saying, okay, look, I understand time and score. Um, understanding throughout the game who's hot what sets have been working what you know pick and roll defense whatever it is understanding how to get the most out of the time also getting a bucket here or there so i do love him that's the the great piece of having a senior guard out there that's able to to control the game the last few minutes yeah not just a uh, senior super senior uh fifth year right at that because of uh covid and yeah burden did a great job five for seven eight assists um and let me ask you guys this he had uh, six rebounds, led the team, one block, led the team. Um, should he compete with DeMond Robinson for the center position? <laughs> he did cut down on the turnovers. We should mention that. He only had three after having eight against Upstate. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he did a tremendous job, uh, as always. And, you know, Simeon Cottle, um, the, the Robin to his Batman, also had an excellent game, some Big shots late, if I recall, uh, lots of free throws. Uh, but the the Owls had too many turnovers as a team, uh, 16. Uh, we want to see that cut down. Um, R.J. Johnson uh, was a little too loose with the basketball, had six. Um, some of them just weren't weren't very good turnovers. It's going to happen, uh, young kid. It is what it is. But, um, yeah, um, Aaron, what, what was your take on the freshman? I mean, he... He is going to have his turnovers, which is natural. I I think I naturally, and I, I hope not everyone, but it's it's easy to hold his turnovers against him because we are used to to Terrell Burden having, like for the most part, having non-turnover games where he is in control of the ball at all times and he's not going to give it give it away for free. Like it's not that easy, especially as a freshman coming in there um, with his body size and and just being able to control the ball and his body in that way, like. He's and he's he's pretty much always in attack mode, which is a positive as well. So like he he plays great. I love watching him play. I love his demeanor. I love his pace as he as he goes, you know, as he's on the court. Um, and I was happy to see him get the minutes he did. Like it's it's every game going into it. It's you never know kind of how the, the play is going to go with minutes wise, especially for a freshman. Um, anytime you can get over 20 minutes, um, like it speaks to to what he can do. And, and he has a little, he went on a little stretch there. I think he made back-to-back buckets and he was aggressive. Um, he's just, he's going to come into his own and, and, and holding onto the ball a little bit better, but you know, six turnovers, they're going to happen. Um, luckily for us, the rest of the team, we combined for 10. So it's, it's going to happen. Um, you just kind of attribute it to being a freshman on the road. Right. And these are really big games for Johnson and Sherman. I know Sherman didn't play. Um, but you know, it's like, you got to break these guys in against D one competition and the stakes are going to be lower against non-conference teams. So you can kind of live with, um, you know, turnover heavy games, as long as you get the results you want. Um, you know, it's, it's growing pains. Guys got to take their lumps. Um, and by the time conference play rolls around, which is now, you know, just a little over two weeks away, you know, these guys aren't going to be, you know, as raw as they were before. Um, you know, they're not going to be veterans, but they're going to be more seasoned. Um, so I, I'm with you. I'm totally okay living with it. Um, it's not like it cost us the game. Um, it's going to come. He's a freshman. Yeah. I am disappointed that Sherman didn't play. Um, I guess he was sick or whatever it was, but um, he played great against Upstate. I thought it was quietly one of his best games of the year. Um, you know, he, I say quietly because I think he only had four points, but he had like seven or eight boards. I think, no, I think it was nine boards in like 17 minutes. Um, so excited to see him continue to come along. Hopefully we get him back before Upstate. And uh, what's the old saying? You know, you're no longer a freshman once conference play rolls around, something like that. 
I don't know if it's uh, once conference play rolls around, but like by the end of the season, you know, once you're in the conference tournament, you're no longer a freshman. But 100%, you're uh, you're a lot further along once you get to that point in the season um, than you are uh, at the beginning. So yeah, uh, something else I wanted to kind of discuss with you guys. I think Presbyterian started their late run with Demond out. Um, this is, might be looking too far ahead, but it's got me pretty concerned. Um, you know, with Makai Turner, KSU commit, you know, suffering, it looks like a major knee injury, you know, replacing Demond scares me a lot more than replacing Burden, um, not because, you know, one's better than the other or anything like that, but we have Cottle, we have RJ Johnson, we're going to be fine there. Um, it just frightens the crap out of me. And I know I probably shouldn't be looking at this until, you know, the off season, but, um, you know, how important do you think it, it, it will be to get a another seasoned veteran transfer big, somebody that we can that can step in and replace demand next year? I think it's I think your concern is completely justified, John. Um, look, I love Terrell Burton. He's a fantastic player. Uh, when it's all said and done, he might go down as the greatest Kennesaw State Owls basketball player ever. Um, but like you said, uh, you know, in the nicest way possible, guards are kind of replaceable and we have other really good guards on the roster. I mean, there are a million really, really good point guards. Um, Demond Robinson is not replaceable. <laughs> he's probably the most valuable player on the team this year. Um, he's been fantastic. Uh, when it comes to getting another big, you got to be careful because look, the true bigs you get at this level um, usually aren't that talented. And when I say true big, I say, you know, somebody who's seven, seven foot, seven, two, you know, uh, they're usually on that scholarship because they're freakishly tall. Um, you know, that's why they're not playing at a high major. Um, so you got to be careful. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff knows, you know, that this is looming. Um, so I'm going to trust their judgment and their decision and, uh, you know, hope they go out and get the right people. But it it scares me a little bit, too. Um, it needs to be addressed. Well, I'm, I'm when I say true big, I mean, I consider Robinson a true big sure, sure. at our level, six, eight, six, nine, something like that. Sure. Um, you know, Braden Lou, I think, is, you know, six, seven. Yeah, so I guess my seven. point is just more so. Um, at the mid-major level, bigs in the transfer portal are kind of weird, and you got to be careful. Um, but also, yeah. you know, you don't want to just go out and offer some kid from Iowa, uh, <laughs> you know, who's 6'11 and puts up crazy numbers against no-name high schoolers. Um, so, you know, you just got to be careful there. I see what you did there, Kai. It's, it's very, a tough very well done. Very yeah. well done, by the way. If you know, you know. No, um, no diss to Mr. Uh, Tip-Off winner. Yes, yes, no, no diss to that. But yeah, if you get, you know, a big in the portal that's, you know, usually worth the salt, um, we lucked out with demand. Uh, those guys are probably going, you know, high major, uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, we, I, 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 yeah, I don't know how we're going to replace him. But you know what, that's not our problem. Um, that's the coaching staff's problem. And hopefully they'll find something somebody out there that uh, can fill in. Um, Aaron, do you have a take on this? Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys brought up a lot of the good points. He he is irreplaceable. I think with Terrell Burden, you you can see the impact he brings to the game and to the team because he does have the ball in his hands all the time. And you can you can see how how he's controlling the game and making shots and getting to the paint. With DeMond, yeah, you can also see what he's doing and, and how he's contributing. But there's also a, that leadership aspect and just knowing that you have a big man down low that's going to protect the paint. Um, knowing he's there with you, knowing he can do pretty much anything on the floor offensively and defensively. Um, he he is irreplaceable. Yes. What I will say is going into next season, like coach Petway and staff they're they, they are going to have a, a plan for the season. And, and Damon was not coach Petway's player, like as well as he's playing now. And as well as the offense is looking with him, coach Petway may have a, a, a better idea than we do. And he can see into the future a little better than us saying, Hey, we can win with Demon, and we can also play a completely different style of game with, you know, a six, seven, five man as I was, or, or what the guys that we have coming in. So irreplaceable. Yes. Um, I would love to have somebody of his skill and, and ability to come join our squad next season. But I also am optimistic with what the coaching staff has done um with the recruiting class and the guys that they've they've put on the floor this year well yeah said. asking asking somebody to just step in and take on demand's role i think is a little too much to ask for us um you know it's going to be it's going to be expected to regress at that position a little bit no matter what happens um but i was going to say aaron you only played three years right you got a year of eligibility left <laughs> yeah send, uh i'll see if i can send over some game film from my my men's league and see if coach petway likes what he sees 
<laughs> well, we got that JUCO year, unfortunately. I think that one counts. Does JUCO count against NCAA eligibility? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Otherwise, it would be the cheat code. Um, I do want to address uh, Caleb Scott on Presbyterian. And, you know, how did that look on TV, his mask? Because from a live look, it looked like, you know, he was just missing some handcuffs and chains and, you know, stuff like that. So. I don't know. Yeah, it was a little alarming. Like, I when when <laughs> they first showed him, even my daughter was because she was watching the game. She's a big fan as well. She's like, "Whoa, what is that?" Because the mat it just covered his entire face, and it's not a typical mask that you see, so it was a little unique. Yeah, where my mind went was uh, the LeBron James heat, like carbon fiber looking mask that he wore like ten years or so ago. Yeah. I was thinking nobody recognized me until I put on the mask. It was all Bane immediately in my head. Yeah, I was going for Darth Vader was my initial thought. Hey, so. man, I'm pro mask. Uh, love watching uh, who's uh, Rip Hamilton highlights. So, you know, big mask guy over here. Yeah, but Rip, Rip Hamilton didn't have a serial killer mask. This is true. Um, <laughs> but anyways, moving on, um, we'll go around the room. Player of the game from everybody. I've got a feeling we might go uh, unanimous again, but um, we'll start with you, John. I have a feeling we won't because I'm going, maybe, but I'm going with Jamel King because that's my profile picture and I got to support my profile photo. So I'm not changing that until we, uh, till we lose a game. Fair enough. That is fair. I already gave mine away. Damon Robinson. Um, I, he does so much for the team. I, he's out there. He's doing, he's hitting his, his threes four for four. The announcers commentators couldn't get enough of that. Um, just couldn't, couldn't ask for more than than what he's doing out there. So Demon Robinson for me. Well, besides staying out of foul trouble. Yes, 19 minutes, 22 points, four for four from three. Hey, if he gets four fouls and he puts up those stats, and I, I can handle that. I was gonna say I can't not pick Demon. 22 points in 19 minutes is um, you know, borderline absurd. I mean, one of the best, you know, halves of a basketball game um I think we've ever seen him play. Uh, so I gotta go Demon. But Jamel King, um, I think kind of flew under the radar um because he did have 22 points off the bench um and is really becoming that true sixth man i've loved the uh the role that king has started to settle into being like you know a guy that gets more minutes than half the starters but um still leads that bench unit so i'm actually considering changing my answer after hearing you guys and mostly because demand you know won me that uh, bojangles biscuit um so <laughs> he was looking out for you he was. I mean, he's a man of the people. He he's you know very blue collar. He he likes to likes to feed the crowd. So uh, great job, Demond. We yeah, love you. and you know he he shut me up because I've been one of the biggest anti Demond shooting threes um, people out there all year, um, and he shocked the announcers too. I mean, like every time they put the ball up, I was like, no, 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 don't pull it. And then you know by the time the third one comes around, I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, yeah. You do you, Demond. So uh, yeah, I don't know what I, you're talking about. And I think I was the only one on here that's like, all right, Demond, keep shooting. Uh, but I, I will say I, I I was right about that. But, you know, Jamel King, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if he can, you know, maintain with, you know, shooting like he does. And it looks like he might be able to, or at least he's on a hot streak. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have to change the shot. Maybe he just needed to find a rhythm. So, you know, it yeah. could be completely wrong about Jamel King. And he did find his rhythm. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I do want to shout out Simeon. I don't know. We haven't talked too much about him, but. Like, again, free throws on the stretch, keeping us, keeping that lead padded a little bit. And to me, his his 20 points, like, they came pretty quietly. Like, he put up 11 shots, but he, like, at the end of the game, when they said 20 points, I was like, oh, wow. And I, and I love that about him. Like, I really do. He's always got the smile on his face, which I also love. But but uh, uh, kudos to him as well for having a great game. I think Simeon brings huge, huge value um, just from shooting 80% at the line. You know, it's like if, we, uh, if we're in a situation where we're up by two with 20 seconds left and we need to inbound the ball to somebody, I need that ball always going to Simeon Cottle. You know, he's our best free throw shooter. He's been um, as close to automatic as anybody on this roster. So um, that's, that's huge because, you know, there's nobody else on the roster right now that uh, I really feel that great about at the line, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, same that's here. Fair. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. 
be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. Fantastic. So recap the game already. Um, it wasn't close. Um, you know, NAIA opponent, it's about what expected. Um, but John, I know you were there. It was only the second home game I've missed since being a student. The other one being Georgia College around the same time last year. Um, but it looked like uh, the attendance was a little bit better than we all expected. I think they reported 1300 people there, which, you know, in years past uh, would be like uh, a noteworthy crowd. <laughs> but this year, I think it was the smallest of the year. Yeah, um, the crowd was pretty good. Uh, student section wasn't where it usually is, of course, because of the holidays. Um, there was no band. Uh, there were none of those uh, cheerleaders in the student section or dancers or whatever. Uh, we had five bananas make an appearance. And actually, I, I heard through the grapevine or the banana vine that uh, one of the players on uh, uh, the other team, I think it was after the game, uh, told one of the bananas to SMD. So uh, great job by the banana boys, um, you know, to get under their skin. And, uh, you know, that'll be an awkward conversation with the coach if he gets in trouble for that. Sounds like a, a well put together group uh, they got there at Brescia. Yes, Brescia, Brescia, I don't even know, whatever. How are they? Teaser, Kaiser, whatever. How are they pronouncing it um, like over the PA? I honestly don't even know. Nick, what's actually, it was a good question. Brescia. Nick. Brescia. Brescia. There you go. I think I got some of that on my elbow. I'm like, it sounded like a chicken dish. I'll take the chicken Brescia, please. Oh. <laughs> is that is that an Italian dish, Nick? Masseroni? I was going to say next to Italian. It's a specialty. <laughs> I don't think I want any of that. So I'm going to pass on the Brescia. Um, and I wish I didn't have to have any. But, you know, if we had to have any, I'm glad it was uh, turned out the way it did. So it wasn't bad. Um, you know, I do like a cupcake. And Coach Petway did mention in the post game. you know, one of the managers on the team, his dad is a baker. So they're going to make a nice cake for them this weekend. So all these cup, this cupcake for Coach Petway, going to have a cake this weekend. You know, he just needs to watch his sugar intake. Mm -hmm. Definitely uh, glad these games are over, though. Um, I, I'm never a fan of playing these games. I think you can uh, you can get away with one or two. Um, but three like we have in back to back years, I think uh, it's too much for me. I'm just I'm glad it's over. But, you know. We'll take the take the nine and three record. I'm not. Did we have three this year, or, or are you counting Presbyterian? Um, <laughs> we had Brescia, Kaiser, and Oakwood. Ah, oh, that's right, that's right. Yes, three is a little bit too many for my taste. This game served no purpose. Uh, actually, I take that back. Um, as I was tweeting, this game was cardio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think of the three we played, Kaiser was definitely the best. We can agree on that, right? Because they kind of hung with us for about a half there. Yeah, and Oakwood was the worst. Oakwood was terrible. <laughs> My God, what was the point of that? But you know what? That's how if that's how you open your season. You know, we can live with that. But there were a couple cool moments in the game. Um, you know, I think the thing everybody wanted to see was the uh, debut of the man in the mask, uh, Jason Holt, uh, who came out, hit his first three point shot. It was hyped up. Um, so he was the story of the night. Uh, you know, really can't get too much from that because he's playing against, you know, lower level competition. So you can't really see like him Ding up, which is, is the prime part of his game. I want to see him lock down, you know, some D one players against Asheville uh, this coming weekend. So that's what I want to see, but he did have a nice block. Um, he did kind of show off a little bit of his length, athleticism, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I, I want to go around the room here. I'll start with Kai and then go to Aaron. What were your first thoughts on Jason Holt? And after uh, we do that, I do have a follow-up question for you guys. Uh, I mean, he's got a funky looking shot. I'll put that out there. And uh, this is what we've said all offseason is like, you know, looking at his tape from UGA and Bama and just his numbers is he needs to get that shot to come along um, to reach his full potential. But, you know, he uh, he filled up the statute on defense. He had six rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Um, I'm not reading too much into it. Rough shooting night. He hit that first shot, but proceeded to go one for five. Um you know, all the uh, UGA and Bama fans that I've talked to um, all seem to think he had a lot of potential um, and it was there. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, rough circumstances at both locations. Um, I don't know if he's going to be like that all conference type of player for us this year, um, at least, but uh, definitely excited to have him on the team. He definitely looked like he belonged. Um, so at worst, you know, he's going to be great depth for us. Um, he brings good size. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Not too much to read into. 
I, I think I'll challenge kind of what you guys said earlier about I, I also do not like these non-D1 games. I think they're, there's not much you're going to get out of it. But I do think it worked out really well having Jusan's first game be in a game like this where there's no pressure. There's no pressure about minutes. There's no pressure about production. He's not in there to win us a game. I think it worked out really well uh, for for him to his first game to be this game. Um, now, I I loved I I really I was watching him throughout the game, especially in the beginning to see like how is he going to be? Is he going to disrupt the offense? His first game coming in, highly anticipated transfer from a high major, two high majors. Like I wanted to see how he he meshed with the offense, and he didn't disrupt it at all, not whatsoever. Um, I was also trying to see if he was going to be just completely winded and out of shape and, or just kind of just go all out in the first three minutes. Cause it's super easy to do first game of the season. And, and you want to go out there and put on a good showing. Um, and he was in great shape as well. Like you love to see him make his first basket of the season. Um, you love to see what he does defensively. Uh, I think Kai, you said it best. He's going to fit well with this team. Um, we have a lot of athletic players and we have a lot of length defensively um, adding another guy like that is never going to be something we turn down um and he's he's going to be able to play and he's going to be able to play well and it's going to be interesting going forward how we're going to split these minutes and i think we might dive into that a little bit later but but another player that can play like sign me up we got nine guys now um you know nine guys who i think are good enough to go out there and play 15 to 20 minutes in a conference game yeah, and Jason Holt, you know, I, I definitely noticed the hitch in his shot, um, but I do think, you know, he can be at least a 30% type of shooter, which is higher than he was, you know, at uh, Bama and UGA. I think he's pretty streaky. Um, he was a willing passer. I thought I saw a couple of nice passes from him, actually. And to Aaron's point, he did not disrupt the offense. In fact, I thought he was deferring uh, where, you know, perhaps if he was in there every game and, you know, had some, you know, more confidence in the offense. He might've jacked up some extra shots, but he was a very willing, you know, he didn't force anything. And I, I like that. So I don't think he's going to disrupt anything at all. And, you know, depth wise, exactly what you're saying, you know, you can't go wrong adding a six, 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 seven guy. That's a strong defender. I mean, what's the worst case scenario there? There's really, you know, no downside. Um, but I wanted to dive in. My follow-up question to you guys was what Aaron alluded to. Um, you know, what does the rotation look like going forward, assuming everybody's healthy? Frank Juan is back, all of that. Um, you know, I, I'll kind of, I'll start this off, I guess. You know, I see that, you know, R Ronji Gordon, I kind of hope he takes, you know, I think Nick mentioned this the other day um, off air. He's going to, you know, take Armani Harris's minutes. Um, I think Gordon and Sherman are probably going to take the biggest hits for Jason Holt um, because, you know, just I think we're going to play, you know, more of that four guard look now, perhaps have Gordon sub for Robinson. But that's just my take. It depends on the matchup. If we need more size like for Indiana, you know, we'll probably get Gordon alongside demand. Right. I think um, what kind of sucks is now we have to experiment a little bit. And um, it's just something you don't really want to do this deep into the season, um, but it's necessary. Um, it's, you know, a good problem to have because we have too many qualified guys. Uh, but we'll see. I think we shouldn't, you know, box ourselves into one idea, you know, be like, okay, this is what we're doing in the Asheville game. That's what we're going to continue to do. Um, Ranji's more of a traditional big, um, feels like Holt's more comfortable on the, uh, the outside, um, that Ranji is, um, I don't think Ranji is going to be relegated to necessarily the like one shift a game, if at all that Armani Harris is playing. I think he'll still get in the game a good bunch. And I think you know, with the foul trouble demand's been getting into the last couple of games, I think we're going to continue to see him a good bit. Um, I think Sherman probably, I don't know if takes a hit, but I think he's probably going to um, get more uh, just uh, stuck. No, I don't know if stuck's the right word, but I think he's going to be, you know, more consistently in that like 10 minutes a game role because um, he's kind of been all over the place this year. You know, he started the first three or four games of the season and then he was playing, you know, four minutes, eight minutes, and then he was playing 17 minutes. You know, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, you know, we're, we're deep now though. Uh, I hope we play everybody. Um, I agree with you. I think Ranji and Sherman are going to be the most affected by it, but I think, um, there's still very much a role for both of those guys on these teams. And I think you want to continue to give Sherman minutes just to continue to break him in and, um, get him comfortable because he's going to be a big player for us in a year or two. So, um, hopefully he doesn't take too much of a hit. Lost in the shuffle is probably the phrase that I would kind of use for Frank one Sherman. That could very well happen. 
Sure, but I would rather Ronji Gordon be lost in the shuffle because I think Sherman's going to be um, a big time player for us down the line, and I want to continue to get him his reps. Um, if Gordon, you know, is relegated to uh, a situational foul trouble big man type role, I'm not really going to be complaining. He's going to be a luxury to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, these are all you know first world problems that we're talking about here. Luckily, um, no other b- better way to put it. Um, but do we keep the starting lineup the same? Because honestly, I don't want Demond, you know, next to Haranji. I want you know them kind of playing that five spot. Um, do we slide Frank Juan kind of back into the starting lineup? Because Jamel is doing great off the bench. You don't. I don't think we want to touch that. And I don't know if we want to put in Holt. You know, right off the bat slide him into the starting lineup like not like like he didn't miss the whole season mm-hmm. um but again you know do we change what works it's going to be it's going to be a fragile kind of adjustment really for for the coaching staff and they know their guys better than anybody else in terms of really minutes um starting lineup whatever the case may be i i i can't speak too much on the starting lineup because it's we're, we're going to have to see how it plays out and i don't think it's as much of a big deal um especially as the game gets going i think we make our first substitutions at like the four minute mark um so we'll we'll kind of see how it goes i what i would do you know just thinking about it, i'm starting frank Juan sherman and you know he's not going to play as many minutes even though he's a starter as guys off the bench like holton king so you know give him the start like you said sub him out early that sort of thing um have uh ranji get armani's minutes Because, you know, I I kind of mentioned earlier in the season when you guys mentioned, you know, what's your biggest concern about the team? I think we we went around to the group and kind of named it. I think I said depth, and I I kind of feel a lot better about that now. Mm. Um, I want, you know, Raji is a good ninth man. I I want him getting those minutes that Harris is getting. Um, So I'm, I'm very happy about that. And look, we're not used to it because we haven't had the luxury in, you know, however many years um, going back through the Amir years. But it's pretty normal for teams to go nine, 10 men deep. We just you know, haven't had nine, 10 guys that are qualified to step out there and play 15 to 20 minutes a night. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, who knows how much we tweak the rotation? Uh, I I'm with you, John. I would, I think Sherman and Robinson fit a little bit better together than Gordon and Robinson. Um, but also I don't always love throwing Gordon out there alone. I don't know. He's just not up to par um, with demand. So uh, I think the more I think about this, uh, the more I see him kind of getting lost in the shuffle and uh, taking the biggest cut um, with minutes go. But, uh, you know, at guard, I like Burden and Cottle. Uh, they've, I think, gelled together really well um, in the starting lineup. I think Quincy um, has been perfect uh, in his role this season or just about. And like you said, I love Jamel King off the bench. Let him play 30 minutes a game and put up 20, um, you know, and come in for Quincy or Cottle or whoever he needs to come in for. Um, it's, it's going to be sad to no longer get the four Armani Harris minutes a game. I was enjoying that, but, um, you know, who knows, but yeah, that's all I got. But nobody's going to be able to replace, you know, demand when he leaves the game and somebody's got to take that center spot. And I think Ranji has more size than Armani. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody has better size unless you're going to put in Cole LaRue, um, to take right. those minutes. So that's why I'm going with Ranji Gordon, uh, right there in, in that spot. And obviously I, he's not a true five. He's kind right. of like like that four or five tweener-ish, you know, not quite good enough holding down the post to play the five and perhaps not quite good enough of a shooter to play the four. Right. So, well, yeah, here's, Aaron, just, here's the way I think about it. And I want Aaron to correct me because I'm probably going to be wrong, but when they're on the floor together, you kind of feel okay about Ranji and Demond being out there together because Demond can kind of <clears> mail <throat> Ranji out because um, Ranji's more prone to, you know, leave somebody in the corner open or just miss an assignment and Demond's going to be there holding down the paint. Um, so it's, it's a tricky situation. It's like, if you're going to play Ranji and you want that size, you want somebody else out there with him. Um, cause you don't want to leave him on an Island cause he's not great. And, uh, he's not good enough to hold down the five for more than, you know, a shift or two a game. Yeah. <clears throat> Ranji, Ranji doesn't play with a ton of detail. He's not like super detail oriented the way he plays as, as much as Demon. like Ranji's going to give you the effort. Ranji's going to get these hustle plays and, and things of that nature, which I love. Like he, he will get all of those loose balls. He'll dive on the floor. I think the first possession of the season, he was diving on the floor. I said, who was that guy? Like he's, he, I love how he plays. So <clears throat> he's not going to be somebody who's going to be like, just completely understanding the other teams, you know, scouting report, things like that. And I mean, not to say he doesn't, but throughout the course of a game, we, we definitely love him on down there. Them playing together is going to work out 
probably best for me as well. I know Ronji's going to have to be in there holding his own uh, for a few minutes a game for sure. And I, I think he is capable in that regard. Um, as far as minutes goes all around, like it's going to be who can, who can play defensively. I think starting <clears throat> Frank Juan is a, the more I think about that, it's a good play. Give him a few minutes to see how he is. If he's not going to shots down, if he's active defensively and kind of see, let his, the rest of the game dictate, uh, go from there. Um, but defensively, I really like how we've been playing offensively. You know, we don't have a ton of structure and, and the guys are going to get points on the board. No doubt about it. I think all nine of our guys can score um, pretty much uh, at will. Um, it's just defensively and, and going throughout the game. You'll see some guys maybe play 25 minutes one game and then the next game then they play 13. Um, it's going to be kind of just fluid throughout the season that way. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I got on it. But um just a cool moment last night. Charles Stone uh, hit from deep. I think it was his second career field goal. Um, the place erupted. John, I want to ask you, uh, how loud was that actually? Because it looked like it uh, it got quite the reaction on TV. It was pretty loud. Um, you know, I started chanting for Chuck, you know, I think sometime in the second half, a little bit casually put in Chuck, you know, just, you know, one here or there. And then I actually teamed up with a group sitting in front of me, like five elementary aged kids uh, very impressionable lads. Um, I got them on board and uh, we start, you know, to chant for Chuck. And then there were some people to the right of me, some kids and a whole family that was wanted to see Chuck too, some season ticket holders. So we all kind of got together and started chanting, we want Chuck. We kind of had this packed at the five minute mark. Um, once it hit that, we would start a we want Chuck chant and we did. And uh, they put him in at about the four minute mark. Uh, so it was it was pretty great, actually. And then he uh, hit the three like a minute into the game and we all went nuts. Um, and probably the best moment, uh, you know, of Chuck's life. <laughs> you know, I think it's great because uh, I think Petway plays into it more than Amir did, because um, you see Chuck be that first walk on to come off off the bench, you know, and um, <laughs> he comes in somewhat early. You know, Amir would hold these guys till there's two, three minutes left. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're out there with four or five, which I love. Um, shout out to uh, Chuck's dad, who I think is a regular listener of the show. Um, so thanks for tuning in, Mr. Stone. I have to get the, that in for you. Yeah. And also Chuck uh, got a cheer when he checked in at the scores table as well during the timeout. <laughs> of course. So. I do want to say, can we please get Matt Brown a bucket? <laughs> I think uh, I anybody mean, else has scored. He needs to, we need to, we need to get him one, man. I, I think he just like started talking about the subject like it's taboo. Like, oh, my God, did he actually mention that? So if you guys missed the game yesterday or on uh, on Tuesday, um, Matt Brown had some difficulties scoring the ball. Uh, Kai, why don't you go into some detail there? I'm going to be honest. I was at work and I missed that part, John. You're going to have to you're going to have to. I stopped watching when it was uh, like 89 to something yeah my memory's failing me Aaron do you remember anything that happened there with oh yeah um I can start with the missed relatively wide open but there was some contested he it's like he he missed the layup and it's like he was thinking he wanted to dunk it he took off too far and it was contested a bit he missed the layup and then maybe three or four possessions later he has a dunk attempt and he he missed the dunk and and you could see even even Mike Young um our our trainer our head trainer got was getting off the bench the, the walk-ons well not the walk-ons the starters were all jumping up and down ready for the dunk and he missed it which ah oh, man it's disappointing he he heard about it in the locker room i can tell you that um so yeah he, he missed a few easy ones he could have had four quick points but you know that's how that's how it goes sometimes thank you for doing our dirty work uh aaron and me and kai didn't yeah. want to talk about that so uh, yeah you do all the, you know, you get all those tough rebounds. You used to dive on the floor back in the day, doing the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. You do that here on the Owl Chat podcast as well. Um, I'm here for it. But yeah, my reaction in the stands was I, I was like, oh my God, I turned around. Worst game ever. He's never going to not hear about that the rest of his life. And I, my hands were on my head. Like when, you know, if you watch wrestling, like when uh, Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania, like I couldn't believe that happened. Probably for two straight minutes, both of my hands were on the back of my head. Um, but yeah, now, you know, now that Charles has a bucket, I feel Charles like had a bucket last year. Don't discount that, that okay. reverse layup he hit against uh, Bruden Parker, or maybe it was LaGrange. I think it was Bruden Got it. You're right. Now that Charles has a bucket this year, I think the fan club, we need to move on to free Matt Brown and put in Matt Brown. 
<laughs> what do you guys think? I'm for it, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think he'll get another chance till we play uh, the School of the Deaf and Blind next year, uh, sometime in late October. <laughs> but not, you know, he'll he'll get another shot. I'm not sure how we are going to uh, get him easier buckets than he had tonight. Um, he just needs to, I guess, convert them. So uh, we'll go around the room. Doesn't have to be as serious, but uh, player of the game um, for Brasilia, guys. Um, my player of the game was, uh, it, it was actually an easy choice for me. It was, uh, doesn't matter. Um, who's your player of the game, Aaron? <laughs> I was hoping you, you gave me some more time. You bought me some more time. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Just on whole, I mean, I, I can't, hard to say player of the game, but I just loved what he brought. Like he didn't in, impact the team negatively at all. I thought it was a good, t- good showing for him. Um, Quincy, I think I've picked Quincy like six times thus thus far, but like he's just a he's just a player. Like he's like you cannot go wrong with having him play 30 minutes a game. I love I love watching his game. Um shout out to Quincy for that for the Brissy game. I'm going Charles Stone because after Holt, he was kind of the story of the game. Um, so we'll give him his moment. But uh in actuality, it's probably Quincy. Um he had kind of a rough day against Presbyterian. So um, you know, he's a shooter, and we've talked about this before. It doesn't really matter who you're playing you know a shooter's game is kind of going to be the same um he had a much better shooting night was four of eight from three um so hopefully you know that gets his confidence going up uh you know going into these last two non-con games so in actuality you're right it was quincy but you both know that i had the correct answer <laughs> i mean <laughs> you're, you're not wrong um but yeah we'll move on so we've got two more non-conference games to play we've got uh unc Asheville on saturday and then we've got indiana on the 29th um i'm gonna be at both games i know john you'll be at one of them um but i just want to run this by you guys because we've talked about um you know not having the highest hopes for this Asheville game on the road and then obviously indiana's a pretty daunting task um but going into these last two what is the expectation um and how will we feel if we go one and one two and oh or oh and two i would be pretty thrilled with one and one um to be honest with you um indiana actually I, I think I saw they beat Moorhead State and they had to come back by one point last night. Beat them by a point. 69 68. So that's a really nice win for them. Um, and, you know, Asheville, I just always have that bad feeling as a fan. You know, how when you beat a team the first time and it's close and you're like, oh, maybe we got a little bit lucky, then you have to play them again, especially on the road. And, you know, like in the NFL, you're like, oh, crap. So, you know, it's, Asheville is going to be a dogfight, uh, no pun intended. And, I, you know, so one and one is my hope. I, you know, I at least want to hang tight with Indiana. Um, I mean, we can, you know, we can beat a high major team if we're playing, you know, at all cylinders. On all, um, look at the uh, last night, Citadel beat, uh, who was it that they beat? <laughs> Notre Dame. Notre Dame by 20 points. <laughs> and weren't we just talking about Citadel? I was like, they have a decent team usually, don't they? And you guys were like, no, Citadel sucks. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Nick, but Notre Dame is one of the worst uh, high major basketball teams I've ever seen this year. They are really bad. They had a double digit loss to Western Carolina a few weeks it's, ago. It's a tough watch. It really is right now. I don't blame you for not paying attention to Notre Dame basketball, Nick. In all seriousness, I have not been following Notre Dame hoops in the past, like, three years because I just haven't they, – they haven't been doing anything, and Kennesaw has been playing slightly better, so there's other things to watch. We have a note here from producer Nick that Indiana plays uh, North Alabama this weekend, so mm-hmm. that is something to watch as well. Um, selfishly, I want Indiana to win that because yeah. I want to be the one to take mm-hmm. uh, take that one you don't want them losing to a low major right before us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then there, there's no way they lose back to back. Um, but you know, as you guys have mentioned, they have flirted with disaster all year. Um, Florida Gulf coast, who, um, I'll talk about a little bit in a second, uh, has been terrible all year and first game of the year, they hung with Indiana all the way, but then it's like on the flip side, um, you know, they were neck and neck with Kansas, um, just a few days ago and Kansas, is one of the best teams in the country. Um, so who knows what we're going to get. I'm with you, John. I just, I don't feel good about, going and playing Asheville on the road, especially after we beat them in a close game. I've got a feeling that their atmosphere, even though it's Christmas break, is probably going to be decent. Um, I think they have a decent venue just because that's a solid basketball school and has been for the last 10, 20 years. Um, I, with you, I would be ecstatic if we went one and one 
Um, I almost think that there's a chance we drop to Asheville and we come out firing against Indiana just because it's yeah. the last conference game. I think that's a real possibility. Um, but I, I see both games as house money. Um, if we go into conference at nine and five, I think uh, nobody here would be too disappointed. That's a, uh, we would have the best record um, in non-con in the A Sun. Um, I think officially, I think Lipscomb is like seven and seven, or I think Jacksonville is like eight and four. So I take it back. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, I don't think there's any real loss here. I won't be disappointed if we go lose to Asheville. I think it's a real possibility. I think they'll probably be favored by a couple of points. That being said, it's a, it's a winnable one. Um, and I would love to see us hit that 10 win mark uh, going into conference play. I think that'd be really cool. It's something we've never done before. So. Yeah. And I honest, I would not be too surprised. Well, I'd be surprised. Yes. But I, I think these are the two most important non-conference games of the season. And I'll tell you why. Asheville, we've already played it similar to a conference matchup at this point. Like we can see some adjustments. We can we can see how our guys react to, to already beating these guys at home, which I think is going to be really important to get us into the conference season. And then Indiana playing a high major to finish out the non-conference season. Um, we got trounced by Florida State. Like we're not the same team we were on whatever date we played them. Quite literally, adding, you know, just on Holt on the roster now who has high major experience and our guys now are, are what, nine games into the season, um, 10, I don't know how many games we are, whatever it is. Like, we have that experience. We are playing well. Um, I wouldn't, like, I I am not usually the optimistic one, and I'm not saying I'm, I think this is going to happen, but if we go 2-0, like, I think we have a good shot of, uh, let, me, let me walk that back a little bit. I think it's really important, and I wouldn't be surprised if the guys come out and play hard and 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 really focus on getting wins on these next two games to move into conference like these are really important games for me in my eyes watching the guys go into conference play sure i mean if we go one and one um with a win against either um and yeah. especially if we go two and oh um i'm gonna i mean i could probably make this call now um but i'm gonna go ahead and say if that's the case it's gonna be our conference to lose i mean we're gonna be we're gonna look head and shoulders above everybody else around us um so I, I would be ecstatic to go one and one if we go on two. Um, I'm not too disappointed to be totally truthful. Um, I'm with you. So I want uh, to we hung with Indiana for a while last year. Um, so they're definitely, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I want to see how we look versus the high major athletes again, because Florida state overwhelmed us by being more athletic and longer and FIU overwhelmed us by being probably more athletic than anything we've seen at that point, And also by pressing the hell out of us. So I want to see, you know, how we handle Indiana in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do go 2-0, I will be ecstatic. I can't tell you one way or the other, you know, oh, I think we have a chance. Usually when I'm like, I'd be thrilled with one and one. I'm like, okay, we have a chance at this game and no chance at that one. So, you right. know, I'm not going to say that out loud, right? But I, I do think we have a chance, you know, at either game. Game, um, You know, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, Scoob, Shaggy and Scooby and the gang are going to have a, you know, something on their backs to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Drew Pember is going to probably come out angry. I think he was a little bit sick before we played him last time. Probably felt he left some points on the table, especially in the first half with those free throws. So, um, you know, Asheville does scare me. Um, probably a little bit more than Indiana, who might come in underestimating us, perhaps. Yeah, and it's like a Darius McGee situation where, uh, you know, their quote-unquote sharpshooter, um, Abby or AB or whatever his name was, you know, I think he was like 0 for 5 from deep. Um, and that game went to overtime. Uh, that's not going to happen again, <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I too am pessimistic, but I'm hoping for the best. Uh, and you know what guys, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm going to actually uh, be making the trip to Asheville, um, more likely than not. So, you know, I'm going to try and, uh, affect the game one way or the other. I'm excited. Cause it's like <laughs> the one city in North Carolina that I haven't been to shockingly. So been all isn't, over that state. Isn't it like a hippie town? Uh, well, I'll report back to you, John. I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> I know I'll report back those, to you. <laughs> I know it's one of those quote unquote, like up and coming cities, but you know, there's a lot of those. That's how I felt about Spartanburg. And, you know, I'll trash on Spartanburg all day. It felt like one of those Southern up and coming young people cities that just failed and people gave up and then there was nothing left there. <laughs> so, um, you know, our social media guy, Tim has chimed in in the chat, uh, big hippie and brewery town. So, you know what? There are worse places to be. Let it be known. Absolutely. Well, um, that's all I got. Um, you guys have anything else? 
that's all I got. I'm excited to make the trip up to Asheville. Me too. Me too. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see which direction my GPS pulls me in because I saw a couple of different routes, um, probably going to take me through the middle of nowhere for one of them. So I guess we'll see how much traffic there is. Uh, happy holidays to all of our listeners. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we will be back to recap the Asheville game. Or no, we got the midweek update coming first. And, so, and, so. and be sure to follow us at Owl Chat Podcast on Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howell. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!